0: Sometimes a thought is closer to truth, to reality, than an action. You can say anything. You can do anything. But you can't fake a thought. Ian Reed, I'm thinking of ending things. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast focusing on the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm one of your hosts, Stephanie.
1: And I'm your other host, Rachel. What could be scarier than reading a horror book? Well, maybe listening to one. But does that really count as reading? Today, we are discussing our experiences listening to horror audiobooks in this episode of Books in the Freezer. So since we're both really big fans of audiobooks, I think we both listen to them pretty regularly. I thought this was a really natural topic for us to cover today. I get the impression that you pretty much always have an audiobook on the go. How often do you listen to audiobooks, Stephanie?
0: I would say I try to listen to at least one audiobook a week. Sometimes I listen to too many back-to-back, so I have to mix it up with podcasts and stuff, but I'm always listening to something. Are you someone who always has one going to, or is that something you pick up when you have a lot of time?
1: No, I'm the same way. I pretty much always have one on the go. And I do the same thing. I have to mix up the genre just to keep it fresh, because if I listen to, say, too many horror in a row, they start to blend together. But I get so much more reading done because I listen to audiobooks. I don't think I listen to them as fast as you. I probably listen to maybe two a month. So you probably get more reading done on audio than I do. But that's pretty incredible, actually.
0: No, I do go through a ton of audiobooks. And that's because I listen to them at work. So I have eight hours that I can just sink into an audiobook. So I tend to get through a lot of them really fast just because I have that like protected time that is my audiobook time, basically.
1: So I think if we're going to talk audiobooks, we have to start by asking the good old question, do audiobooks really count as reading? And I think for both of us, we're going to say yes. So We almost need to argue the counterpoint because we both obviously listen to audiobooks all the time and I count them as reading. If someone asks me if I read a particular book, if I listen to it on audio, I'm just going to say yes. I'm not going to say, no, I didn't read it. I listened to it. You know, I don't really make a distinction and often I end up forgetting eventually what I listened to the first time and what I read. And I will specify that I'm really picky about only listening to unabridged audiobooks because I want to get the complete story. I don't really think it counts if you're you know, just listening to part of the story. Or I do question people who listen to it on like three times speed. If you're not able to comprehend everything that's going on, is that really reading? Or is that
0: more like skim reading a book? What do you think? I think it's different for everybody. And it depends on how you take information in the best way. Like I'm an auditory learner. And For me, that works out very well. Like if I listen to a book, I will remember small details from the book more than if I read a physical copy. Like if I'm listening to a mystery, I can pick up on clues and on similar things that keep popping up and I can usually like solve the mystery by the end. More than if I read a physical copy. Oh, that's super interesting. Like, it's not for everyone. A lot of people say they get really distracted while they listen to audiobooks, and I mean, you obviously have to have, like, a good time to do it. You can't do it, like, in loud environments or if you're distracted. And yes about the unabridged version i got a abridged version i didn't know it from my library for a book i wanted that was like 400 pages it was a 400 page book like i got like a 7 hour audiobook i'm like that doesn't seem right and i looked at it and it's abridged i'm like it's 400 pages that's like average novel length what did you need to abridge
1: I really like how you mentioned the picking up more details. There are some things I notice more when listening to a book. One thing I have noticed is when an author's really repetitive and uses the same phrase yes. a lot. I definitely pick up that. And I don't think I notice that when I read. I can't remember reading a book and saying, oh, geez, I keep saying the same word. But especially when an audio narrator has a really weird way of pronouncing something, this one audiobook, I can't remember it, the way they said cement was just really weird. And you're like, how many times is this book going to mention cement? And I think it came up, I don't know, like seven or eight times. I was like, why? Why is this in here? I don't understand. I don't know.
0: It was weird. So do you have any like deciding factors that go into whether you're going to pick up a physical book versus doing the audiobook?
1: For me, it's narration. That's my number one deciding factor. I am really, really picky when it comes to the narrator. Before I start an audiobook, I usually spend a lot of time on like audiobooks.com or any of those sites and just listening to a ton of samples because if I don't like the narrator, I will not listen to the book. Even if it's one that I'm very interested in, I will wait for the physical copy if I can get it from my library. So a couple things. If the voice is too monotone, or if it's like too childish, I'm completely put off. I'm incredibly picky when it comes to narration. So that's my number one consideration. How about you? Are you the same when it comes to narrators?
0: Not really, actually. Like I give audiobooks, I think like 30 minutes. And if it's a story that's just not grabbing me and I find my thoughts like drifting away and just not connecting with the story, I drop it instantly.
1: Yeah, you just do a lot of sampling. I'm impressed you give them at least like 30 minutes. I'm someone who literally will start one and then (laughs) within 30 seconds, I will DNF and be like, nope, nope, this is not happening. And sometimes I have to be careful because, I don't know, some of the publishers have this really monotone guy who does the like, the title and the author and i'm like i cannot handle this and so i've learned to like skip ahead to make sure that he's not actually the narrator so a couple books have spoofed me but like i said i'm so picky when it comes to narrators i really like a performance the ones i'm going to be recommending in this episode definitely lean towards that performance side it's not enough for someone to just read a book aloud to me i want not over the top voices but i do want I know if you're going to say this person yelled, I don't want this person yelled. You know, you better have some enunciation, some inflection in your voice. So I'm pretty much the most snobbish, demanding (laughs) audiobook listener. The more I hear myself talk about this,
0: the more I'm noticing. You're very demanding of your narrators. That's all. Also, I won't do an audiobook if the book has certain things that need to be read in physical form so a book like night film I don't even know if there is an audio book version of that but I think there is, is. There, so something that has like you know different mediums in there and like pictures something that you're gonna get more out of it reading a physical copy I won't do that on audio
1: That's a really good point. I'm the same way. And even I think about the content of the book, because if a book has a really complicated story, if I know it's perhaps something like a science fiction with really complicated world building, I tend to prefer to physically read a copy because then it can take my time. And so I do much better probably with something more contemporary. Horror works pretty well. It's one of the genres that I can listen to pretty consistently on audio. But if I miss a sentence or don't have a chance to quite catch something, I don't want to just be confused for a 100 pages. So, you know, sometimes it's nice having the physical copy because I can actually stop and, like, restart a paragraph and be like, okay, wait, what? So if it's, like, a fantasy book with, like, a magic system. But, like I said, we're talking horror today. So for the most part, they work pretty well on audio. So I get the impression that you almost prefer to listen to audio over physical books. Is that fair? Like if you had a horror book right in front of you, like physical copy, or I gave you the audio version, would you typically pick up the audio first?
0: I would say yeah. And a lot of it could just be like where I'm at in life right now, because I have a toddler who is very loud and a puppy who is very loud. And so just at this moment in my life, I find it very hard to find quiet, time to sit down and read versus like I said I listen to audiobooks at work and so I just I know I have that protected time that nothing is going to interfere with my audiobook like I'm going to get to just be in this story and give it my attention.
1: That makes a lot of sense. My work kind of the opposite. Like I can't listen to anything during my work hours, but even during my lunch, I've tried listening to audiobooks. But if I have my headphones in, my coworkers just talk to me anyway, even if they can see that I have headphones in. <laughs> so that doesn't work. But if I physically put a book and like cover my face with it and be like I am reading, I'm really protective of my reading time. And physical copies tend to be better barriers from coworkers. I'm sorry, guys, but. I really want to read. Don't bother me. I'm reading. So would you say that the audiobook version enhances the reading experience oh, for you? a
0: hundred percent. Especially there's audiobooks where there's a lot of effort put into the production and they have sound effects and they have like footsteps and like doors opening. It also helps if you're reading a translated work and there's foreign names to have someone that knows how to pronounce that. And I I love it if a novel has a strong sense of place, having a narrator that is from that place read the audiobook. Like I like listening to ton of French audiobooks because they're read in an Irish accent. And when I read a physical copy in my head, I hear an Irish accent, but it's just something totally different to like literally hear an Irish accent in your ear. And I recently listened to The Dry by Jane Harper and having like an Australian narrator just added so much to the story. <laughs> That's one I want to check out. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was listening to the audio sample and I'm like, ooh, that sounds yeah. good.
1: Okay, that's one I can get behind. So I'm glad I have your endorsement on that. Yeah, it was really good. And I completely agree. When it comes to audio, I know I can think of several books that we'll talk about later in the episode where I definitely rated them higher because I listened to them on audio. Books that were, they were still good, but I know if I read a physical copy, I would have be more critical of certain aspects of the plot. But sometimes a narrator just pushes a book from a good read to an amazing read. I find a good narrator can just pull me in. And I don't know if you have that experience where an audiobook just gets so good that you just find yourself looking for excuses to read more. I know people talk about like sitting in their driveway and just, you know, not going in the house because they just want to carve out a little bit more time listening to that. And I've had that experience where... I'm just like okay I'm going to do anything that I can get away with listening to an audiobook at the same time because all I want to do is listen to this and
0: it's just such an addicting experience oh definitely I think everyone in my house notices I'm more productive when I really get into an audiobook because I'm finding excuses so I'm like doing extra laundry and like deep cleaning stuff all of a sudden and so my family knows. They're like, it must be a good audiobook.
1: <laughs> That's funny because even last weekend we were prepping our house to paint. And so I had to clean my entire kitchen, just wipe everything down. So I probably spent like three, four hours in there. And so I ended up finding a really good true crime book, which I'll talk about I'm sure in another episode, but it was so addicting and I just power cleaned and listened to it for hours on end. And when I was done, I was thinking, well, what do people who don't listen to audiobooks do when they clean? Because I would have given up a lot earlier (laughs) if I hadn't had an audiobook because it was boring otherwise, so... I would love to know, for people who don't listen to audiobooks, how do you clean your house? And I asked a few people, and they're like, well, maybe they just don't. So maybe that's the answer there. I know we kind of touched upon it, but I think that the timing of when you listen to an audiobook can really change the reading experience, especially when it comes to horror. Because atmosphere matters so much. So do you want to say a little bit about kind of when you typically listen to audiobooks? Because you mentioned this during your work.
0: Yeah, so I do listen to audiobooks at work and I work overnights and sometimes I work alone and just hearing like a horror audiobook when you're just in, you know, a building alone and there's like whir of machinery and like stuff going on definitely adds to like the creep factor and atmosphere in like a creepy way.
1: Yeah, I'm so jealous of the fact that you get to listen to audiobooks like at night. I think that has to be the creepiest time to listen to them. And it's not like I guess I couldn't stay up and listen, (laughs) but it's just not when I get most of my audiobook reading done. I'm pretty much the opposite, is that for me... Most of the time when I'm listening to audiobooks, it's in the morning, particularly on weekends, so like a Saturday or Sunday morning when I'm doing laundry, when I'm cleaning the house, things like that. And so it's bright and sunny outside, and I'm doing like really monotonous safe tasks in the daylight, and it's just not very scary. So I do tend to listen to more other genres on audio, just because when I listen to horror on audio, It doesn't always work really well. It's just in terms of wanting to make it a really scary experience when I'm like folding shirts on a Sunday yeah. morning. It's just not the scariest. <laughs> so I'm actually really jealous of the timing of when you listen to audiobooks because I think you get something out of it that I just don't. And it doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while I do get to listen to audiobooks in the car. I don't have a long commute, but when I'm going to a family member's house that lives in a different city or town... Sometimes I have like an hour drive on a Canadian empty highway. And so when I'm driving home at like midnight by myself in the dark, there's like absolutely no lights around. Those are some really good horror audiobook moments. But like I said, they don't happen very often, but the creep factor is high.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's not always. I don't know if I mentioned like I'm a baker. So sometimes I'm just like icing cookies. (laughs)
1: So have you ever had a really bad experience reading an audiobook? Maybe when the narration detracted from the book?
0: Yes, and it wasn't the whole narration. I just, I don't like kid voices in audiobooks. Okay, first of all, I don't tend to love things from children's perspective, but that is amplified when it is also like either a child actor or an adult doing like a child voice it annoys me and I can't listen to it.
1: I guess do you want to mention your book?
0: Yeah, it was Rooms by Lauren Oliver. The adult female was doing this like whiny child's voice and I was so annoyed. I was like, I can't, I can't with you right now. (laughs)
1: My answer is pretty much the same as you. And I don't like to rag on books. Like, I really like to talk about books I like, not books that I didn't. But I feel safe that the narrator was R.C. Bray, who's actually one of my favorite narrators. He did The Martian, and he does a ton of, like, mysteries that I tend to listen to on audio. And he's so good at being, like, the gruff detective. I think a lot of people are familiar with at least one of his audiobooks. He's really well known, so that's why I feel okay mentioning this one but he did suffer the children by craig de Louis, and it's a good book but it just he was the wrong narrator for it because while a couple of the perspectives in the book are grown men and he did a really good job with those perspectives this book is also filled with whiny little children and so you have this grown man with this gruff voice trying to put on this little high-pitched whiny Tone and just, you know, he's crying about like not getting his Christmas presents. And it was just the most irritating sound. I had like nine hours of that. (laughs) And like I said, I feel safe mentioning this because I really, really like RC Bray. I like everything else he narrates. But who thought to put him in charge of a book that was just a whole bunch of children whining for nine hours? It was just not the best choice of narrators for that particular one.
0: Do you have like a list of go to narrators that you? are like okay with then because i don't think i ever notice narrators
1: rc bray is probably the one i know like actually can provide you with a name but i do tend to lean towards the same narrators like what i tend to do if i can like if i'm using my library is you can often kind of link through Hoopla and say, okay, show me everything else that this person has narrated. So if I like a book that's narrated by someone, I'll click and see, well, what else have they read? And then if I recognize any titles, I'll kind of try out that. That's, I find, a really helpful way of picking out books for people like myself who are terribly snobbish about the narrating experience. (laughs) So maybe let's talk about our actual recommendations on some audiobooks. In particular, let's talk horror audiobooks.
0: So my first pick is The Exorcist by William Peter Blatty. And the synopsis, if you're unfamiliar with it, it is Reagan is the daughter of a famous actress who is filming in Washington, D.C. But when Reagan plays with a Ouija board, contacts, and makes friends with the seemingly harmless Captain Howdy, things go haywire. And Reagan's mother is left with no choice but to turn to the church to exorcise the ancient demon that has taken control of her daughter's body. This was a great audiobook. The 40th anniversary edition is narrated by the late author. He had this amazing gravelly voice that was made for the story. It was just made for narration and it just really fit the tone. And you read this too, right?
1: I did, but I read a
0: copy. So
1: I have not listened to the audio, but loved it.
0: I went back and forth. I think I had an ebook and I listened to it. I kind of went back and forth. You cheated on your audiobook? It helps me get ahead. Yep, I cheated on it. I think the audiobook was okay, though. We talked about it afterwards. So I know everyone talks about, like, when they're talking about scary movies and scary books, the, this one's usually one that's gonna come up. And I read this... Last year. And I I hadn't seen the movie. I hadn't read the book. I had just heard, you know, like people talk about it and it being the movie and book that's always mentioned. And yeah, I didn't know how graphic and dark things got in the story. I was kind of surprised by that. (laughs)
1: I was the same way when I read it. I don't know why. Maybe because it's a little bit older. I was like, oh, it's a classic. So I tend to go in with my eyes rolling going, okay, you know, this is going to be quote unquote scary. And then I was like, okay, this is getting
0: pretty intense. And then there was just a lot of really great side characters. I I loved the detective that kind of had like a Columbo thing going on. So I I really liked him. I loved Father Karras. And yeah, William Peter Blatty's voice for this book was absolutely perfect.
1: Rating wise, where would you put the audiobook? Would you put it in the freezer or the
0: fridge? I would say the freezer. Yeah, it's a super creepy story and it has aged very well, so I would definitely put it in the freezer.
1: I remember it just being so intense. A couple of those scenes, I won't spoil it if there is someone like me who is late to the game reading it, but wow. I remember messaging you afterwards going like, that happened? (laughs) This was in there? Have you seen the movie yet? (laughs) It's on its way. It got shipped from the library, so I will report back in a future episode once I've actually seen it. I'm kind of nervous about that one. I was watching the trailer, and even though it's
0: old, I think
1: it's going to freak me (laughs) out. I have a thing about possession stories, and that one just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Possession
0: stories are freaky just in themselves.
1: I think so. It's one of my favorite horror subgenres. We have to cover it at some point. Well, my next pick is The Lesser Dead by Christopher Buhlman, which, yes, we did talk about during our vampire episode. So I'll try to be brief, but I really wanted to talk about this one again because of the narration. If you don't remember, this story is about a vampire named Joey Peacock, who lives in the subways of New York for the last 40 years where he spends his time sleeping around and feeding on humans. However, the status quo is shooken up when a new breed of undead creatures move into the area and begin hunting down the New York vampires. The reason I want to talk about this one is the fact that it's narrated by the author, which is interesting because I didn't know that The Exorcist was also read by the author, so it was a nice transition there. Normally, I think that that's a bad thing. I will listen to books that are nonfiction, like if it's a memoir, I don't mind if the author narrates it, but for fiction, I tend to prefer a professional audiobook narrator. I go with the assumption that just because you're good at writing a book doesn't mean that you're good at reading them aloud. However, Christopher Buhlman is definitely the exception. He puts on the most amazing Brooklyn accent and just sold the story. This is a case where I know if I'd read a copy of it, just physically, I don't think I would have rated it quite as high. But... He just put on such a performance. The whole book is told from a first-person perspective, which I really like when it comes to audio. That's another deciding factor is I like that really close personal perspective. It's like Joey was talking right in my ear. I'm not going to attempt to mimic this accent because no one wants to hear my fake Brooklyn accent, but trust me, it was so well done. And his voice was just gritty. And that's what you want with a vampire story or at least what I want is I want that like gritty story the whole book is just very dirty it's in the subways and there's a lot of like rough content and I just thought that he just kills the book so I just cannot recommend the audiobook version enough in terms of rating the book is mostly room temperature but there are a couple scenes that might be troubling if you have issues with harm to animals in your books but otherwise it's pretty safe yeah that audiobook narration was amazing
0: No, I agree. Not every author is qualified to do audiobooks. So it's really awesome when there's an author who can pull it off. And like the accent, I feel like adds so much because that is how the dialogue is supposed to be read. So it's like you're getting the experience that you were meant to have.
1: Exactly. And I know people can be really picky about accents when they're not natural. I do believe he is putting on a bit of an accent. I've heard him speak outside of the audiobook and he doesn't quite have that accent but as far as I can tell it sounds very authentic and it's not just me I've heard numerous other people recommend the audiobook version of this so I think as long as they can do it well a
0: good accent
1: can really enhance a story for sure
0: so the next book i'm picking is also a podcast favorite yes (laughs) one that we have brought up quite a bit so i'll try not to spend too much time talking about it because i feel like i've talked about it quite a bit but of course you guys know it's nosferatu by joe hill because the audiobook is amazing And the synopsis, just to recap, is the story of a girl named Vic McQueen, who has a bike that can transport her anywhere to find missing things. Then there is a villain named Charlie Manx, who likes to pick up children and take them to Christmas land. And he almost took Vic, and she's been the only child to escape. But now, years later, Manx has taken her son, and so she has to get on her bike and ride again. And save her son from Charlie Minx. I love this book so much. Me too. Speaking of celebrity narrators, this one is narrated by Kate Mulgrew, which I think we talk about every time we talk about this book. But you may know her like I do from Orange is the New Black, where she is red. And Rachel knows her from
1: Captain Janeway. She was in Star Trek Voyager if you're a Trekkie
0: like me. (laughs) She does an amazing job at doing creepy Charlie Manx's voice. She brings it. Like his voice gives me the creeps. And I thought she did a great job of doing all the characters, even just like minor characters that I still remember. Like when Vic meets up with that librarian that helps her out. She did an amazing job doing that voice. Just all the voices. Yeah, she's a very talented audiobook narrator. So as far as this book goes, I am putting it in the fridge. Some parts are legitimately creepy. And Manx, I think, is one of my favorite horror villains.
1: I would say the same. I just agree with everything you just said. (laughs) If you hadn't have talked about this one, even though we talked about before, I would have made it one of my picks. So it might be my Favorite horror audiobook. Like, if we could have only picked one for this episode, I probably would have fought you for this one because I just think it's so brilliant. Just like you said, Kate's voice is so gritty. There's something like gravelly about her voice. And if you're thinking about picking it up, like, just listen to the prologue, like the nurse in the room with Manx. That sold me. I was like, yes, I am so in, and I just loved it. So I think it's a really good sample to give you an idea of what you're in for and. It's one that I think the book is creepy enough as it is, but listening to it on audio definitely upped the creep factor for me for sure. I cannot recommend that one enough.
0: So it's your next pick.
1: I'm excited about this one because this takes me all the way back to our very first episode where we talked about haunted houses, and I might have whined a little (laughs) bit in that episode that I have trouble connecting with those stories. I just don't find them very scary, and not that horror needs to be scary per se, but I need to be invested in the story. I need to care if the characters live or die, and I finally found a haunted house story that I connected with i know i was like stephanie will be so happy so this book is called the haunted by bentley little and the synopsis is that this story follows the perry family who move into a house that seems just about perfect however soon enough they start to realize that their dream home might actually be of course too good to be true. They start to wonder if there's some kind of presence in the home when unexplainable things start to happen around the house, like music is turning itself on or they start seeing faces in the mirrors. And there's this psychological power that appears to be influencing the family. They start having these strange dreams and finding themselves having strange impulses to dig, to cut, and even these weird sexual desires and with their current financial situation, they feel helpless because they can't afford to move away from this supposedly perfect home, and so they feel like prisoners in their own house. And I really liked it. Bentley Little, if you haven't read any of his books, is a little bit of a weird horror author, and I mean that in a very respectful way, but he takes these really classic ideas of horror and makes them very very contemporary and very modern and puts his own twist on them. So unsurprisingly just like all my other haunted house stories I do tend to lead to those really new versions of them and this one very much takes place in the modern day. It's a newer build home but I think what worked so well with this story was the fact that I listened to it on audio because I was just whining a moment ago saying that it's hard to find an audiobook horror novel that's scary when I'm like folding laundry but the fact that this whole book takes place in a house and is really about this family going about their average day ended up working really well so I was folding laundry And then the character in the story also started folding laundry. And then weird things was happening when she was folding laundry. And I was like, okay, that's that's a weird coincidence. (laughs) And then later I was like cleaning the bathroom and like wiping the mirror. And then the person in the story saw something in their mirror. And I'm like, okay, is someone watching me? I'm not doing this on purpose. Like I wasn't trying to but that actually got pretty creepy and that happened a few times while reading it. It's just the fact that because so much of a haunted house story is about those mundane things around the home, which again, if you go back to that first episode, was my complaint was that I was like, oh whatever, it's just house stuff. But it turned my weekly routine of chores into this like really creepy experience. So I'm convinced that if you're going to listen to Or on audio, then you should try a haunted house story. And with Bentley Little, I do have to mention, I kind of mentioned it earlier that there is this weird psychological sexual effect that the house has on the people in it, which if you're not expecting kind of comes out of nowhere but the house really pulls on people's desires and there's some really graphic and disturbing sex scenes which may not be for everyone it will turn some readers off but i actually found them some of the freakiest aspects of the book and it's one that will kind of make you uncomfortable but at the same time i mentioned that i really like books that push me a little bit that push me out of my comfort zone and make me a little uneasy and this book did this there were several places where i felt uncomfortable reading it in a really good way so i would put this book in the fridge oh, wow. i'm really happy to say that i liked a haunted yeah. house story
0: so Look there you go you. it's been a little while
1: i know i was so proud i was like I have to report back to stephanie I'm so proud of you <laughs> yes it's a moment
0: <laughs> so my next pick is one of my favorite books and this is a head full of ghosts by paul tremblay so the synopsis for this story is that the Barretts are a seemingly normal family in New England, and their 14-year-old daughter Marjorie starts exhibiting signs of you know, what might be schizophrenia, but the doctors just don't seem to be helping, so they reluctantly turn to a Catholic priest who suggests an exorcism. That priest also happens to contact a production company that plans to film a reality miniseries that will follow the Barretts and Marjorie as they go through the exorcism. And the reality show is going to be called, like, The Possession. The Barretts are low on cash. This story takes place during the recession and, like, the housing market crash. And, you know, with the looming medical bills and stuff, like, it's just not going well for them. And they're not in a position to say no to that money. So they decide to go through and have this ordeal filmed. So a lot of things happen while the cameras are rolling that end up making the Barretts pretty infamous and the stuff of urban legends. And so the story is told through the lens of 15 years later, the younger sister, Mary, is meeting with a best selling writer and she's willing to talk about what she remembers. So while she's talking, some long buried secrets and painful memories clash with what was broadcast on television, and a mind bending tale of psychological horrors unleashed, raising vexing questions about memory and reality, science and religion, and the very nature of evil. So I really enjoyed this. As an audiobook, a lot of people that have read the physical book complain because, in between the chapters of Mary talking to this writer, there is a blogger, and she is called, like, the last final girl. And she's doing a project where she is, you know, rewatching The Possession and writing these think pieces about it and kind of doing this recap of the episode and kind of pointing out what she thinks is fake and what was staged and like what her thoughts are about it now. And she has this really snarky voice that she's using while she's writing. So a lot of people said they just skipped those. But I liked that in the audiobook, the narrator uses like a totally different voice and a totally different tone to read the blog posts. So for me, like I found them enjoyable, but I could see if I was reading them how I would be like maybe rolling my eyes a bit. But I thought listening to them actually helped me a lot. Like I mentioned, this is one of my favorite books and it's surprisingly room temperature because it's not like a terrifying story for me, but I think it's just one of those books that covers a lot. It is very self-aware about the possession exorcism genre and just the framing device that we're using to tell the story and with the blog post just commentary on how exorcism and possession stories are portrayed and usual tropes and there's a lot of nods to other works of classic horror that go into this. I think there's something to be said about the TV recap culture that we're in and all kinds of stuff that I thought were just done so well and just really worked for me. Like I mentioned, this isn't a super scary book. I have gotten comments on my video review of this book saying that the Stephen King blurb says that it was one of the scariest books he read and he couldn't sleep or it scared the hell out of him or something. Okay, it's not scary. So I would say don't go into it with the expectations that it's gonna be scary and you will probably have a more positive experience with it. There is an eeriness that really comes out in the story And I thought the actress did a really good job at getting worked up and emotional at the emotional climaxes of the story. So that is A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay. Totally recommend it.
1: Yeah, I think expectations are so important, especially when it comes to, like, scariness. I feel like Stephen King is a little bit liberal in his blurbing of books. So I always take them with a grain of salt. It's one you've completely sold me on. The only reason I haven't read it yet is that I'm hoping to do it as a bit of a buddy read. That should be coming soon. But I'm definitely going to check out the audiobook. I listened to a sample of the narration and it is Rachel approved. So I'm going to check it out that way. And I even like the fact that it sounds like a very modern take on an exorcism story. I really like when stories incorporate more modern things like reality TV or blogs and incorporate those aspects instead of the trope of kind of throwing everything back into the 80s before technology was quite so prevalent. And everything you say about this, like it just sounds like a really smart story. It sounds very self-aware and really maybe make some commentary on a lot of the, again, more classic possession stories. So that sounds right up my alley.
0: I can't wait to hear what you think of it.
1: I will definitely be reporting back on that
0: one. So what is your next pick?
1: I'm going to go with Snapshot, which is a novella that is found in the book Strange Weather by Joe Hill. So it's another Joe Hill recommendation, but this one's quite different. This novella is set in the 1980s and follows a 13-year-old boy who finds his elderly neighbor wandering around. She appears to be suffering from dementia because she's disoriented and seems to be losing her memory. She warns the boy to beware of the man with the camera, so when he meets a strange man carrying a fancy Polaroid camera, he begins to wonder if this camera has some supernatural powers that may be able to steal memories. The reason I want to recommend this one is because it is narrated by Will Whedon. And yes, I'm going to sound like a Trekkie again. He was in Star Trek Next Generation, but most people just know him as that iconic science fiction nerdy guy. He was on Big Bang Theory, all of that. I think most people are generally aware of him or at least familiar with his narration of a lot of good science fiction books like Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. And he just nails this book. He was the perfect choice. The main character is, as I mentioned, like a 13-year-old boy, but he goes on to become an inventor and live and work in Silicon Valley. And so while this is definitely horror, it has those science and nerdy undertones, which Will Whedon is just known for. So I thought it matched just really well. And considering the length of this story, I really felt like Joe Hill just packed a lot in. It's actually a very emotional story. It deals with a lot of themes of family and memory. So in terms of rating, I would put it at room temperature, but I liked the nods to the 80s. It was just very smart, and it's a book that I would safely recommend to people who maybe don't read a lot of horror, people who maybe normally read science fiction. This would be a really good gateway into it, and it was yeah, just creepy enough, so a lot of fun. And I also want to give a bonus recommendation for another novella in the Strange Weather collection because it's actually a collection of four different little stories. And that is Rain, also by Joe Hill, of course. And this story takes place in Boulder, Colorado, where one day the clouds open up and there's a downpour of bright crystal shards that they call Nails that shred the skin of anyone who is not safely undercover and essentially kills them. And this story basically explores the ramifications of this apocalyptic event because the crystal shards not only spread around the country of the U.S., but then eventually move around the world as weather systems move. And I want to recommend it because it's narrated by Kate Mulgrew, who, yes, we just talked about is the narrator of Nosferatu. So, I think you, Stephanie, would really like this one because she brings back that same gruff and gritty narration, and it's just so good.
0: Ooh, I wanna check this out now.
1: It's pretty great. I do need to mention that Joe Hill makes some pretty thinly veiled political jabs in the story. Because they think that this rain or these crystal shards might actually be a terrorist attack, the unnamed president, of course, goes on Twitter threatening the unknown terrorists that caused this, and so there's a lot of kind of jabs at the potential current presidency. So, depending on your political leanings, you may either love those aspects or not so much.
0: I don't see the similarities, but okay.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you're like, I don't get it.
1: <laughs> and just, it's just such a good dystopian story that really deals with the aftermath of what happens after such a terrible climactic event occurs. And I would also put this one as pretty room temperature, but just a really good story. And like anyone who loved Nosferatu on audio, because I think that's a pretty popular one this is like a no-brainer recommendation. This is just a go-to pick for
0: me. Oh, I will have to check that out. I know I had it out on Overdrive, but then a bunch of other stuff came in and then it disappeared. Like my loan ended before I ever got to get to it and I was so mad.
1: Oh, that happens to me all the time. When they all come in at the same time, it's like, okay, choose your favorites and don't choose wrong.
0: No, wait, come back here. Come back. (laughs) So those are horror books that we are talking about, but We just wanted to keep talking about audiobooks. So I want to talk about some thrillers that also make great audiobooks. Like it's a great listening experience. And recently I listened to I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reid, which was the quote at the top. And oh man, that was just such a good, eerie story. And I will say there's a twist at the end of the story that was produced very well. I was thinking of all the ways they could have handled the twist, but I think the way that they went with it just was very effective. And like I said, the author had did a good job of keeping like an even eeriness in her voice.
1: That's one I definitely want to check out on audio. I read the physical copy, but based off of your recommendation, I'm definitely going to make my reread the audiobook. And without even listening to it, I've got to say that would make an amazing book for a dark road trip. Yes. I would love to listen to that. So maybe next time I'm like driving to a family's house for Christmas, that'll be like our nighttime drive home. (laughs) That just sounds like it'd be the perfect late night commute. Yes. And
0: for those of you who don't remember the synopsis from our previous episodes, it is about a couple who is taking a car ride through kind of deserted countryside. And she is going to meet her boyfriend's parents. And she keeps getting these voicemail messages on her phone. And throughout the whole car ride, she's thinking about how she's thinking of ending things with her boyfriend. And it's just like very eerie and things keep escalating. And she keeps commenting on like how there's a lack of scenery all around and she's stuck in this car. So it would be like the perfect road trip book. Another one that I wanna mention that is a really good audiobook is You by Carolyn Kepnes. Oh, both of these are getting TV adaptations. You by Caroline Kepnes. The book is written from Joe's perspective to Beck, the object of his fascination. But it's written in a kind of second person. And the narrator has this creepy voice. So he's like, I see you. I see you come into the bookstore. And like, I see you pick up this book. And so it's so creepy because it sounds like he's talking to you. And he's essentially a stalker. And it just adds a whole level of like creepiness and eeriness to the story. And I I think it's just done so well.
1: That's one of those books that I just think the audiobook narration just makes it so crazy amazing. It's probably one of my all-time favorite audiobooks. I recommend it to everyone. And it's just, oh, it's so good. One that always comes to mind, I think a lot of people are familiar with you if they already listen to audiobooks just because it got a lot of buzz, but if you're like me and just find it really creepy to read books from the villain's perspective, I also wanted to give a bump to a lesser known thriller, and that is The Butcher by Jennifer Hillier, which is a thriller about a serial killer in Seattle called The Butcher. Now, they believe that this man was found and killed years ago but right at the beginning of the book you immediately find out that the killer is still alive i won't spoil anything but i'll say that one of the perspectives you get to hear from is that killer's perspective you get to hear the voice of the butcher and i just thought that made it super creepy and was definitely my favorite part the narrator is again that really gruff voice and it was just chilling and i think if you're like me who just loves to kind of cheer for the bad guy that's a really fun one to pick up
0: That sounds really good. I'm taking a completely different direction for my next pick, but it was a book that the audiobook and the production level blew me away. So this is science fiction, and this is Sleeping Giants by Sylvain Neuvelt, and this had a full cast of characters, and it just worked so well with the way that it's written. So the setup of the story is that there is a young girl who is riding her bike one day through South Dakota, and she falls into kind of a pit and in that pit she finds herself in this giant kind of metal hand and like the army gets sent out and they're kind of like escorting her out of there and like you didn't see anything you don't remember anything and she later becomes the leading physicist of the team that is trying to find the rest of the parts of this statue And they're looking into it, and the metal is just not found on Earth. And it's everything that is going into putting this thing together. It's not quite epistolary, but it's like military documents and interviews. So there's always one government guy that's like, and what do you remember about this? And then the other character will be like, and this is what happened, and this is what happened. I don't know. I thought it was very interesting. It had a full cast of characters that were very good actors they had to express like a wide range of emotions there was the extra sound effects thrown in there and the way that the story was told was just very effective I was very emotionally invested in the story and immediately put the sequel on hold like I loved this book.
1: Yeah I think I saw you give it five stars that's one I've started but I had to return it before I got to finish it so I've only read maybe a chapter on audio but yeah, I can see the production value is insane. It's like really a performance, not just some guy reading mm-hmm. a book. Yeah, for sure. And because I saw you were going to mention that, it also brought to mind a book that if you haven't read on audiobook, I really would recommend to you, Stephanie, or anyone who likes that full cast narration. And that is World War Z, an oral history of the zombie war by Max Brooks. So it is going back to horror, but a lot of people, including myself, kind of consider this book to be more science fiction. I don't really consider it to be scary, but as the title suggests, it takes place after a zombie apocalypse. And it's really an oral account of what happened and how the people that are still alive survived this event. And it's told from multiple perspectives with different narrators for each one. So some of the perspectives are military personnel, while other people are civilians. And there's different parts of the world featured from North America to Asia to Africa. So each of the different places has different accents. And the cast is full of some really well-known voices like Mark Hamill and Alan Alda. And so I think for anyone who likes Sleeping Giants, if they haven't gone back, uh, World War Z is another one of those like full cast productions. Clearly someone threw a whole bunch of money at this audiobook, and I think it really paid off. Definitely a book I enjoyed a lot more
0: because I listened to it on audio. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. I didn't know that was a full cast production.
1: Yeah, I was trying to look on your social media to see if you had read it already. But if you like Sleeping Giants, it's like the exact style where it's like interviews and Like I said, every different person has their own voice. Like, it's not just the same narrator putting on different voices, but, like, a full cast. It's fantastic. I'd be surprised if your library doesn't have a copy of it, because it was, like, the audiobook when it came out. So, let's end the episode by talking about some other creepy things we're loving at the moment. And, as usual, I want to go first. I want to talk about the movie called Before I Wake... And this movie follows a married couple that recently lost their young son. As part of their healing process, they decide to foster another young boy named Cody. So when he moves in, they learn that he is terrified of falling asleep. He will do anything to prevent that from happening and at first they assume it's just because he simply has a troubled past from the instability of all his previous homes however they quickly realize that when he falls asleep his dreams begin to manifest themselves in reality And they experience the wonder of a child's imagination. Cody loves butterflies, so at first the whole house is just filled with them. And it's kind of beautiful and magical at the beginning. However, he starts to have nightmares, and those dreams also begin to manifest in reality. And they become absolutely terrifying, and not just terrifying, but actually dangerous. First off, I thought it had some similarities to The Babadook, but at the same time, it is quite different. I talked about that one a couple episodes back. And so this is another story about a strange young boy, but what I would say The Babadook is about a creepy boy, I would say the boy in this story in and of himself is not creepy. Instead, what's creepy is what happens when the boy sleeps. And so this movie is more... Creepy than straight out terrifying. It slowly builds over time So while the first part of the movie is more quiet more emotional It does slowly build and so it and does have a good payoff. It does have some good jump scares and supernatural elements that come in and that really led me to realize that I like movies that have that supernatural feel to them I like movies like this that kind of lean between darker fantasy and then kind of roll into supernatural thrillers and horrors and kind of walk that line like those movies that people are a little bit snobbish and say, oh, it's not quite horror. I do enjoy those kind of in-between stories. So I'd love to get any recommendations for anything like this because it was just, I don't know, it was, it was creepy, but it was just a little bit of a quieter story than some of the other horror movies out there. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good pick. I saw it on my Netflix list forever. Netflix kept trying to recommend it to me and I would just like ignore it. And then finally (laughs) I realized that they actually do know what they're talking about. And so I started it and I just thought it was really good. Like it is a sadder story. And like I said, it's not quite as dark as some of the other things I've recommended on the podcast, but I liked it. I thought it was good. And like I said, there's enough creepy moments. I feel legitimately okay recommending it for the section
0: i think we're pretty liberal about attaching a horror label to stuff so it's okay
1: (laughs) because i always feel like someone would be like yeah is that quite horror i feel like it's dark fantasy or something and it's like what
0: is that what does that even mean it sounds like horror to me so it's fine it sounds interesting so i watched the ritual which was just released on netflix recently and which was a book you talked about i did After the death of their close friend, four buddies decide to go hiking through the Swedish forest in his honor. One friend in particular is suffering from guilt due to the circumstances of his friend's death. And one of his friends, Thank You Thomas from Downton Abbey, decides that it's a fantastic idea to take a shortcut through the forest and save time. Hint, that never works out. Ever. (laughs) Spoilers. Don't do that. (laughs) Consequences turn deadly. I loved this movie. I thought it was done so well. You know how I feel about survival horror. And this was just giving me absolutely everything I wanted from that kind of a story. I can see what you mean that the movie starts like as they're doing this hiking trip. You know, we don't start with them like being buddies. So it starts with them in the hiking trip. And then there's like flashbacks to them like hanging out at a bar. And then, of course, they show the circumstances that end up in their friend dying. The pacing was very good and a lot of people that said they didn't love the book said that they did enjoy the movie more because it streamlined everything and it cut anything out that was repetitive and didn't need to be there so I can see how that might work out better for you, Rachel. I will say going into this blind, the turn that it took was unexpected. I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) And then you know that statistic about how you burn more calories watching horror movies. I felt those calories burning. While I was watching this because I was freaking out on my couch.
1: He <laughs> sent me that text. You're like, I burned 100 calories from freaking out. <laughs> and that message popped up without any context. Like I didn't get to see the earlier messages. I was like, what are you doing over there?
0: <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> don't mind my low key heart attack over here. It's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, someone going to check in on Stephanie because we don't live very close. I can't go to see if you're still breathing over there. <laughs>
0: no so it was really good and i totally totally 100% recommend it
1: nice that's one i was definitely gonna watch and especially if you say that the movie is maybe better than the book or at least you know translates the story a little bit differently i was actually hoping to start watching it before we recorded this but life plans and just didn't get to it but definitely gonna watch it i've heard such amazing buzz online everyone's been freaking out on twitter about this so i need to check it out for myself even though i know how the story goes it's one that you know i think i'll really enjoy experiencing it
0: on the screen i'm gonna need you to message me as soon as you're done watching it
1: yeah, I might just be like live messaging you as it goes and be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is happening. And like I said, I, I know the
0: plot and I'm still really excited for it. Yeah, I will definitely report back on that. Totally fine with the live messaging too. That'll happen. <laughs> Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly show. We post episodes every other Tuesday. And you can find us on Twitter at BooksFreezerPod or on Instagram at Books in the Freezer. Or you can send us an email at BooksInTheFreezer at gmail.com. You can find our show notes for this episode and all other episodes at BooksInTheFreezer.wordpress.com. You can also support us on Patreon at Books in the Freezer. We do want to take this time to say thank you to our patrons, Laura, Liz, Devin, Sarai, Emily, and Alicia am stephanie you can find me on twitter and instagram at lady underscore ganya. that's l-a-d-y underscore g-a-g-n-o-n or on youtube at that's what she read and i'm rachel you can find me on twitter at shades underscore
1: orange or on youtube and instagram at the shades of orange
0: join us next time for books in the freezer <laughs>